Hi, welcome to the Theta Game Podcast, the official podcast of ThetaGame.com. I'm your host, Juni, and thanks for tuning in. Just as a disclaimer, these are only my opinions, and anything said in this podcast and future podcasts should not be considered financial advice. Alright, 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 let's head into the weekly plays. Uh, number one, just as a recap of last week, I closed out my Iron Condors as well as my put credit spreads on QS... <coughs> <coughs> Okay, I think I'm alive now. Uh, yeah, so like I was saying, closed out QSR for a loss. Um, but this is just a, a forward-looking note that uh, because I kept my position size static, that when I mean that is like I was down on QSR before and it had started going up again and it looked like very well like I was going to be uh, at a break even or have really good profit potential. I could have like tripled down or doubled down on the amount of put credit spreads I sold, but I didn't because that would have put me at too much risk, and so I decided not to do it. And this is just a example that you guys listening um, have been with me since the beginning of the trade. Uh, me giving an example of me not going all in or putting more into a losing position, instead keeping a position size that I'm comfortable with and not blowing up. So I'm able to continue trading for the rest of this week, for the rest of my trading career, uh, however long that may be, but all due to me having a consistent thesis of not putting too much into one basket. Besides that, I believe I closed my Amazon Iron Condor for a profit, but I closed my Shopify put credit spread for a loss, and I currently have a Costco put credit spread open, but I'm going to keep that open in lieu of this week's uh, FOMC meeting, which I'm about to talk about in the next bullet point. Next bullet point, a pretty big one, a pretty important one. The FOMC, or the Federal Open Market Committee, is having a meeting at 2 p.m. Eastern or 11 a.m. Pacific time to discuss interest rates. The word discussion should actually be taken lightly because it's more of an announcement of whether or not they will cut or not cut rates. Um, they just choose one or the other and by how many basis points and then discuss why they chose to do so afterwards. The market analysts believe that the cut will be 25 basis points or 0.25 and that 50 basis points is very unlikely. Nothing is ever for sure in this market, and this is absolutely one of those cases where nothing is guaranteed. You'll see that there's online uh, probability statistics of how uh, how much that the Federal Reserve will cut um, in terms of interest rates, and if they will at all, leaning heavily towards, of course, being cut, and specifically by 0.25 points. Um, but Again, this is not something where you want to make you know bullish calls on SPY because you know uh, that there is going to be an interest rate cut because obviously if there's not a cut, it's going to be drastic against the market. No one knows what would realistically happen, but a overreaction is highly plausible. But of course, you just, again, do not want to go all in in this scenario. In fact, you probably want to manage your positions that you currently have opened in lieu of Wednesday. Again, that's 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. And just as a side note, IV will be a little bit higher than usual because of this announcement. No one knows exactly what the announcement will be or how the market will react to it. So if you're wanting to do some sort of riskier option writing play, uh, this would be the time to do it. Though I highly advise against it because uh, these uh, FOMC interest rate announcements are pretty volatile 
and you don't want to really be caught in any short position. Needless to say, you can always cap your max loss and choose the size of your steamroller. Shout out to episode one. Um, but yeah, this is personally not a bet that I would write for. I wouldn't write any contracts for like one single announcement. Um, granted, I have done some earnings plays and those haven't quite worked out as well. But again, just like earnings, this is much like a very volatile uh, environment. And, you know, if you feel like you want to play a little bit in it, then maybe, you know, have a capped position. But I absolutely would not write a strangle or any sort of like naked position. Moving on to the next point, after the FOMC meeting, of course, I want to start playing around with Shopify again and uh, maybe open up a condor and then uh, maintain my probability of profit at 70% by selling further out the money call credit spreads and put credit spreads depending on whether it, if it rips or dips. It's a topic that I want to, you know, maybe bring up later in a future episode where, you know, you are very like focused on one stock ticker and you just really trade the living poop out of it. But um, more or less, it's something that I want to get comfortable with and have experience with uh, before, you know, I preach it to you guys because a huge part of what I want to instill on this podcast is I'm not going to teach you anything that I don't know or that I don't feel comfortable teaching. So let me go ahead and show you the proof of how I execute it and if I executed well or not. And, you know, maybe if it does go bad or horribly wrong, I can talk about it um, on a future episode. But if it goes great, then, well, I have evidence uh, to back it up. And finally, the last point of the weekly plays, it's still earnings season. We got Chewy after the bell on Tuesday, Adobe after the bell on Tuesday, and FedEx after the bell on Tuesday. They're all before the FOMC meeting on the following Wednesday. Being right before the FOMC meeting is actually a pretty big deal because you're going to notice that on the next following morning, right before the meeting, because, you know, there is a few hours of the stock market being open before the meeting actually airs that uh, you're going to notice that there's going to be a lot less volume because no one wants to take a first plunge or make a first move without having more information, right? So just remember that if you're going to decide to play options with Chewy, Adobe, or FedEx. But um, FedEx being one of the stock tickers uh, for this week's earnings is uh, a point that I want to bring back on today's topic, which is about price-to-earnings ratio. But before we head into that, I just want to talk really, really briefly about the new website updates. So really quickly, this week, the website, orthetagang.com, looks a lot cleaner. Uh, there are about 340 people now signed up on orthetagang.com, which is crazy. We're growing really fast. Um, and being able to reply and mention users is the very next orthetagang.com uh, feature that will be implemented. Also, after that, I've been getting a lot of requests for a trade alert system where, you know, you can get an SMS or email whenever I open a trade because a lot of users have been emailing me telling me that, you know, they're on the front page refreshing, uh, looking for comments or, you know, they're at the trades page refreshing to see whenever I open a trade. I want to be able to, you know, give the ability of a, a user to just, you know, relax and, or maybe just trade continually with what, however they trade without having to worry about refreshing a website, um, but rather, you know, just wait for an SMS from me through, you know, some Patreon incentive uh, to uh, get trade alerts. 
and lastly on the immediate pipeline I want you guys to be able to upload your own trades or record your own trades and be able to view your results in some sort of like chart or graph so that you know as you're inputting these trades uh, that you get to see you know what strategies have been working out for you do you have like a 70 30 percent ratio of wins when you do call credit spreads do you you know do a better job selling iron condors or do you uh, how, do, how much money do you really make in a month granted like you know most people are trading off of Robinhood that don't give you like a monthly update um, you just see a line graph which might not be as helpful as you know maybe a win percentage of each strategy and the timing intervals of expiration dates versus the strategy everything that, like that of option wise I want to bring able to uh, let you guys see and give yourself insight into what really works for you alright today's topic price to earnings ratio or the P&E ratio alright let me put you in a scenario you are a college student and you have a few hundred dollars because you work a minimum wage job and you want to put that money into some sort of stock and so you go and look up the top 10 best stocks to invest in on Google and you get a list of 10 stocks and then you wonder to yourself hmm are these a good value investment one of the best indicators to look at uh, when you first decide whether you want to long a position or buy into a position is to look at the price to earnings ratio or the P&E ratio uh, and that's to answer the question of is the stock under or overvalued this indicator is pretty important to get familiar with because it's not only brought up in a lot of like financial analyst reports or articles but it's a great simple number that you guys can quickly look at glance at and have a general consensus of you know of to yourself of you know how much growth potential does this have left and am I willing to take the risk on buying the stock when the you know P&E ratio is high or higher alright so let's dive into it uh, the P&E ratio is the stock price divided by the earnings per share now I'm not gonna pretend that you understood what I just said especially if you're new so in order for this definition of P&E ratio to make sense we need to know what earnings per share really is or you know how to make sense of it earnings per share is the company profits over the amount of shares distributed uh, there's a little bit more that goes into this and there's different ways to calculate our earnings per share uh, this is just one of the more simplified and easier to understand examples which is why I'm explaining on the podcast because any of the other complicated ones is just too much to <laughs> imaginate in your car while you're driving it's just too much so just think about EPS or earnings per share as how much money a company brings in uh, versus how many shares are currently out there existing in the world whether it be hedge funds selling it to us or hedge funds collecting some or us buying some straight from some sort of exchange like N NYSE or NASDAQ any of those shares account for that number now again earnings per share is the company's profits over the shares that currently exist I want to give a very quick example of how this works for earnings per share and so that means if you know Google makes two billion dollars of revenue this quarter and has two billion shares out in the world whether if it's me owning it or some hedge fund owning it that's two billion out that exist in the world if they make also two billion that is an EPS of one 
because that is 2 billion over 2 billion. Let's take that same exact example and assume that Google makes 4 billion this quarter and has 2 billion out in the world, uh, 2 billion shares out in the world. How much would their EPS be? How much would their EPS be? It'd be 2. Real quickly before we hop back into the price to earnings ratio and how EPS is uh, again used in that formula I mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, I want to uh, say that really briefly that EPS has a very uh, different characteristic than most things in the stock market, and that is that you know EPS is only good if the number for the earnings per share goes up. It is only a good thing. Uh, there's no such thing as EPS running up too high and EPS is due for a pullback like most things in the market. If you know the stock price goes up or the P&E ratio goes up in the stock market, then there is absolute like due for a pullback because a lot of it you know is emotion based and all that stuff. But EPS is very built into the business and is very core. If a business makes plans to increase EPS and they meet those, um, you know those guidelines or those expectations then uh, the price of the stock will go up indefinitely but the EPS will again it w the company will continue trying to meet those um, those goals and if they continue hitting those goals it's always going to be a good thing um, there's no such thing as EPS running too high alright now let's tie this back into the P&E ratio the P&E ratio is the current stock price divided by the EPS or earnings per share. Alright and for us to understand this I thought of a pretty good example of which where when a company like Tesla makes no profit there is no P&E ratio. So for example if you go on Google type in Tesla you'll see that there's a dash instead of a number for the P&E ratio. And why? Because we just learned as this Theta Game podcast that if you have no profits, you probably don't have any earnings per share or EPS. So that makes EPS zero or maybe even negative if you're burning cash. And if you have a stock price of, you know, Tesla maybe trading at like 220 and divide that by the EPS, which is zero, 220 divided by zero is zero. So you have no P&E ratio. Now let's take an example of a company that is also pretty expensive or a stock price that's pretty expensive uh, but they do in fact have a profit and that example of this case will be Netflix. They are trading at 294 but they have instead of a P&E of zero they have a P&E of 115. Uh, this in P&E standards is uh, on the very high side, uh, normal being 20 to 25. Um, being at 115 signals to technical analysts that, hey, Netflix trading at 294 at a P&E of 115 is overvalued. And you know, looking at the 115 number, Netflix is trading 115 or trading at a 115 times multiplier of its earnings. So there's a lot of growth priced into Netflix and if you can justify that maybe hey Netflix uh, with its current earnings you know report of how much it's going to bring in uh, justifies this price then maybe you know buy it and you know 
bank on Netflix hitting those growth numbers. But if you believe that a company priced in for growth so hard uh, like Netflix won't meet these growth requirements or growth goals uh, that, you know, maybe it's a stock that you stay away from or, you know, even more dangerously you decide to short. And there's just one final example that I want to talk about and is that of banks. Uh, banks usually have a P&E ratio of somewhere around like 10 to 15, a lot lower than any sort of tech stock because there's not much growth priced into it. Um, it's just a very good value stock. Banks will, you know, tend to go up as the market goes up. You know, they go up and down with interest rates, but they're pretty stable. Uh, you take in account of growth stocks like Netflix, where they have to meet these critical growth numbers. Um, those will go up indefinitely until they stop paying those growth numbers. Then there will be major pullbacks and etc. Um, so again, this is a good example of you know looking at P/E ratio from the extremes of down where there's none like Tesla and maybe there's like a good like low one like a bank with 10 to 15 uh, and comparing that again with uh, say a growth stock like Netflix that has a P&E of 115 um, taking that into consideration now look back at those 10 stocks that you were looking at before in the example where you know you're putting in the few hundred dollars that you got from your minimum wage job and you want to start investing and you're looking at are these companies overvalued? Or even if you're thinking about it, I don't know uh, if you're thinking about that question, to be honest. But <laughs> if you did have the mind and consciousness to look at overvalued versus undervalued, P&E ratio is a great indicator. And now you know why. And just to sum things up, a TLDR for P&E ratio would be low P&E is more value uh, or more priced in for value than a higher P&E. A higher P&E usually indicates that it's a growth stock and there's growth priced into it, which is why it's trading at a higher multiple of earnings than say a bank stock, which has a more predictable um, you know, flow of earnings. So when you're looking at P&Es of say maybe over 80 or over 70, you know that you're looking for good growth numbers and if they're able to meet their quarterly uh, goals and if not you have to be willing to take on that risk or that downside of them not meeting that goal and the stock taking a hit because of that thus adjusting the price to something lower and the P&E effectively going down because it's valued more appropriately because there's not that growth of potential locked into the price anymore okay and final final point Remember when we were talking about FedEx earlier in the weekly plays and how it's after the bell on Tuesday and how it ties into the episode. Your boy is about to tie it in. Okay, so there was a article on Barron's that come out that came <laughs> that come out the other week. No, <laughs> that came out the other week. Um, that was talking about how big money, like you know, these are the big financial institutions and stuff. They're going out from the momentum stocks. They're going out of the growth stocks. They're going out of the high P&E ratio stocks and into the value stocks. So with this DD or with this article, I compared FedEx to UPS. FedEx has a P&E of, you know, you know what? I'm going to start with UPS for the dramatic effect. UPS has a P&E of 22. FedEx has a P&E of 99. 
that is almost triple digits it's way higher than UPS and I had to look it up I had to wonder why FedEx was priced so much aggressive or so aggressively higher and you know there's not just this one bullet point example of why it's price higher but it has a lot to do with what they specialize in and that's UPS is great for you know domestic ground orders but if you are shipping like time sensitive um, international orders like maybe a letter to get signed or something you'd use FedEx so take that with a grain of salt FedEx is trading at a much higher multiple uh, of a P&E uh, than UPS so do that do of that which with <laughs> do I recorded this so many times I cannot restart. <laughs> do of that which what you want. Do do what you want with that information and uh yeah. All right, and that wraps it up for the podcast episode. Uh that was a pretty complex topic. Don't beat yourself up if you can't quite understand everything. Uh, on the very first pass, maybe you need to listen to the segment again or, you know, go on Google or do some independent YouTubing. Uh, but at least you'll have a little bit more background uh, when you're digesting more information about PNE and, you know, EPS. Um, again, super complex topic. I'll go ahead and try my best to summarize it one last time at the very end of this episode. But that's it for now. Thank you. Lastly, this is the outro or this is supposed to be where the outro went if I had more big bets or big, you know, really funny meme stuff happen like the Kafef index or the Volfef index or, you know, some big option trades that went south or up bigly, you know. But there has been a big shortage of those, the, the big bets. If you know of any or if you see any that I might miss from Reddit, go ahead and send it to me at realthetagang. Uh, on Twitter or Junie at ThetaGang.com via email or maybe just post it on the ThetaGang.com website. Uh, I'll be sure to cover it and give you a shout out. Um, besides that, ThetaGang.com is growing super fast. I am super excited to you know bring the best positive trading ex or trading community that I can and uh, you know hopefully bring finance out of the black box that's been in for so long. Uh, you know, giving you guys these podcasts and future articles. Uh, so stick around. Uh, again, really glad you guys are here. I wish I had some outro music to uh, make my outros and intros less awkward. But uh, uh, what I learned in boating school is what I learned in boating school is. All right, so we're at the very end of the podcast. I'm just going to talk like I normally talk. No retakes of the with the mic or anything. Uh, just ex trying to explain P&E and uh, EPS one last time or give a try to my best example at it. And so that's, you know, if e EPS is low, if you don't make much earnings per share and your stock price is high, it, your P&E ratio would be off the charts because that is a large number over a really small number. Okay, just this is primitive caveman math. If you don't make much money, if your EPS is low, but your stock price is high, you know it's the perceived value of everyone buying into the stock, thinking your potential EPS is high. You know maybe it's the first round buy or something or IPO or without numbers or I, I don't know how that all works. But if you make very little money. But your stock price is very, very high. Your price to earnings ratio is high. 
would you think that's under or overvalued? You would think that's overvalued, right? Because that company doesn't make much money. That company barely makes a few cents a year, but it's trading at, you know, maybe like $300 a share. That is overvalued. Maybe you consider, you know, selling calls or shorting it or whatever. Be, be, be of that what you will. But I think that's what I was trying to say early in the podcast. I don't even know if that made sense. So I hope that example makes sense to you. So just take that into consideration. If the price of the stock doesn't quite match the earnings, uh, or at least earnings per share, uh, then there's something off, right? Is it a growth stock? Does it have to meet numbers? If it doesn't meet those numbers, what will happen? You have to take all these risks into consideration.